whatever it is you're diving into, be committed to it. Don't think that that's going to be the end because if you stop doing what works, it's going to stop working. Welcome to the Horsewoman Project a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman, from relationships to truck issues, taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Camry? I'm doing better than yesterday. That's good. Yeah, I was feeling a little sick yesterday, (laughs) but much better today. Oh, I'm so glad. Slept a lot, laid down a lot, watched really dumb TV shows. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I kind of want to hear your, <laughs> your thoughts around this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so <laughs> several episodes ago, you, Michaela, um, you told me about Love is Blind, which I've seen advertised on Netflix before. And I'm not a big reality TV person. Like I've, I've always thought they're very not realistic because it's a lot of people in front of a camera and a lot of stuff that just is like, okay. (laughs) But anyway, so this love is blind is about, um, they put, is it 10 men and women, a group of men, a group of women, and they can't see each other. They just talk to each other through these pods, through a, a, a wall. So they can't see each other. Um, so that they, can try and fall in love without any of the visual right so it's not about what skin color or or if they're attractive or not attractive or anything like that it's just about the the emotional connection right and so anyway I started watching it and like I said I do kind of have a little bit of a bias against those shows of like it's not really realistic to get engaged within 10 days because they have 10 days to get to know each other. And I'm like, mm-hmm. really? Like you can't know a person in 10 days. And so part of me is like, oh, this is stupid. <laughs> but then the other part of me, it's really interesting to see how how people have certain just chemistry right off the bat or not. Because there were some times that the guys would go in and and talk to these girls and as soon as the girl started talking, like within a minute, they would just be like, okay, no, like this is not like mm-mm. our personalities do not mesh at all. And it's just interesting how within that much time, just a minute to two minutes, you can already tell if you like connect with a person or not, you know, in certain without ways. Without even and so, seeing them too. Yeah, without seeing crazy. them. And, and um, so it's it's super interesting to see like that part of it. Now I do still like have a hard time with the whole idea of you have to get engaged in 10 days and all that. I'm like, mm-hmm. but yeah, super interesting show. Um, and then it's just funny to see the things in your own mind that based on your history and your way of growing up and whether it be religion or culture or, or, you know, race or anything like that, that kind of shapes your background, every unique experience that when you see a certain person, like last night when Michaela asked me about it, I was like, well, this one guy seems like a jerk. You know? <laughs> and like, just, just from my history of like things I've experienced, it was like, oh yeah, I, like certain things just shape that, mm-hmm. that perspective and the way that you see people. So it's interesting to see how it, it works so quickly mm-hmm. and just within a couple of minutes of, of talking with people to know if you if you like them or connect with them or not so right well and I loved season one of love is blind like I thought it was really interesting season two got way dramatic so I haven't watched it it. after season two so the one that you're watching (laughs) yeah if you keep watching it gets very drama filled um I could see that yeah yeah but I just picked a random season I was like oh that one (laughs) it is interesting too to watch yourself react to them too right? Because like, we have those that we pull for. I'm like, oh, I'm pulling for this couple because like, they're relatable to me, or they have similar stories or something. So it's just really easy to want to pull for them. And then you have others where you're like, why? Why did you even like, stay talking to each other? I don't understand what we're doing here. <laughs> but I'm glad you tried it out. 
mostly just because it was one of those like mindless shows when I wasn't feeling well yesterday. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is one I don't have to like think about or anything. Like I can just <laughs> be dead to the world and watch this. <laughs> the problem with me with, with that show and most of the shows like that is they do their cutting very well. <laughs> Where I'm like, but wait, now I have to know what happens next. You can't leave me on that. <laughs> so then I always end up actually watching way too many episodes of those kind of shows. <laughs> so. Yeah. You want to know a tip for that? <clears throat> I end up watching the first five minutes of the next episode and then turn it off. Because most of the time they cut it at the end of the episode where something's about to happen. So you watch the first five minutes, you see what happens, and then you can turn it off. <laughs> Yeah, but then you have to turn it off in the five minutes, Camry. Like, <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> there is another one that's called, um, oh, what is it called? Like, Marriage at First Sight or something like that, where they don't even have 10 days to get to know each other. They they fill out a form and send it to matchmakers and matchmakers put them together. It's like their perfect match or something. Maybe it's perfect match. Um, and then they just show up and get married without ever talking to this person, without ever seeing this person. They just walk down the aisle and get married. And then they follow, like, how does the marriage go for the first little while? And blending the family when you don't even know who they are or anything. And I think I watched like half of an episode of that one but it was stressful so I was like no nope. <laughs> yeah well and uh, I'm a firm believer that you need to have had a fight with someone before you commit to a long-term relationship whether you get married or not but it's like if you haven't seen that person at their worst how do you know if you can handle their worst or that you could like I don't know because that's what I have a hard time with, with them, the reality shows of them getting married so quickly is it's like, you really don't know, like you're, you're still in the honeymoon phase. You're in the phase where you're still trying to impress each other and you're still trying to woo, which is a wonderful phase and it's great, but you haven't seen the reality of like, how do you deal with stress? How do you deal with these different aspects of life that are stressful and anxiety inducing and difficult and, and all those things it's like if you haven't seen all of that how do you really know um, because that's going to be a huge part of your lives moving forward you know stress all those things that's going to be a big part of life moving forward and and being able to see those parts of another human being I think is very important <laughs> and like that's why my husband and I we both feel the same way and that's why we dated for two years before we got engaged because we both feel that way that we really wanted to know each other on a much deeper level before committing to that. And so, but that's, you know, our perspective, other people might, might feel differently on that of, well, if you love them enough, you're willing to put up with any of that. Right. And so I, I can see that perspective too, but yeah, I don't know if I can, <laughs> I mean, I can see it. I don't necessarily understand it. Like, like I don't agree with it, but I can, I can see that you, for people to think that, love can help you tolerate a lot right and and be willing to to put up with a lot um so I think it can in some ways but I also think that's a very dangerous thought pattern to have which I know we kind of talked about before but I just oh it makes me cringe to to jump into it with that thought pattern because it can put you in some dangerous situations where it's like, but I love them. So I, so yeah, it's fine if they do this or, or do that. And it's when you get some people in some pretty bad, bad situations. So I just, I'm like, nah, no, <laughs> um, but I, I agree with you. I had a similar, a similar rule. It wasn't to get in a fight with them, but it was definitely to see them angry. So I wanted to see them when they were really happy, when they were really sad. And when they were angry, um, because I kid you not, Eric and I have had like two fights ever, <laughs> you know, like it would be very hard for us to get in a fight, especially in the dating phase. Um, but, and you know what? And honestly, I've seen him angry maybe four times, maybe, you know, he, he's a very even kill kind of guy. I was going to um, say, he's like 
Buddha or like he kind of <laughs> is like he just he just yeah he handles he handles emotions well I don't know it's kind of funny does he handle emotions well because he doesn't really have <laughs> or emotions does, or does he just shut them down <laughs> I know. but but I did um when we were when we were dating one situation that I was like oh okay well this will be good I'll see him angry here is uh, one of his brothers had borrowed his car and totaled it completely totaled it and I was with him when he got the call of like yeah I just wrecked your car and it was kind of surreal because I was like okay well this will be good I'm gonna see him angry and see how he handles this right it was so funny Camry the conversation so like I'm just hearing his side of the conversation right and he was like oh hey he's like oh kind of a big sigh you okay okay where are you at all right we'll come get you. Then he hangs up and he just starts laughing. And I'm like, what's wrong? And he's like, my, my brother just totaled my car. I'm like, are you okay? You know, like, (laughs) why are we laughing about this? So then like my first instinct is like, oh, he's in shock. (laughs) Like, it's fine. (laughs) You know, we'll, we'll get through this, but the entire way because it was like an hour drive to go go pick up his brother and see his car and stuff and he's just giggling like pretty much the whole way and he's like well I needed a new car anyways I was talking about how I needed a new car ha 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 I'm like okay we pick up his brother his brother like the poor guy he felt so bad you know and and um Eric's just like ha 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 you you totaled my car you know and it's kind of like giving him a hard time but just like teasing him and and whatever and I'm just like okay well apparently he really doesn't get very angry and seriously like I haven't I mean and four might even be a stretch for angry to be honest with him like he just he stays pretty chill so that that was a good point for me to be like oh here's a high stress situation that he really could have gotten angry and he would have had every right to be angry and that's how we handled the situation like I think I found the right person because <laughs> <laughs> I am so sensitive Camry he gets he gets frustrated with me because um his yelling you're gonna laugh at me but when <laughs> I'm like you just yelled at me it's not because he actually physically yells at me it's because he raises his eyebrows <laughs> and him raising his eyebrows at me it's like, it seriously does. It's like, you're yelling at me. And he's like, oh my gosh, I just raised my eyebrows. Like, I, I did not yell at you. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, to have somebody like him that's a little bit more even kill is good for me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <sighs> don't raise the eyebrows at Michaela. <laughs> no, I don't know. Like facial expressions really though. Like I, I, I really do read facial expressions a little bit, probably too much. <laughs> well how was the rest of your week good good I've got a couple of two-year-old horses I'm working right now and they're doing super well they're one of them's like 15 rides in and then one of them I just did her second ride and they're both doing awesome no bucking no none of that just relaxed and chill and wandering around like they've carried a person their whole life so <laughs> that's <laughs> kind really of, nice yeah it's it's fun I tell you what it's 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 fun realizing that first rides don't have to be panic you know it doesn't have to be ride the buck out or ride the mm-hmm. ride them until they stop running and it's it's uh it's nice it's fun seeing the horses be able to problem solve and and figure things out and use their brains and not just the the reactive side of the brain but use the responsive side so and then sadly I did have to send a horse home last week because he he came up lame and uh I I don't work lame horses um so we gave him butte for a few days hoping it might be an abscess it wasn't an abscess so he's headed home for vet check and We'll bring him back when he's ready. So, darn it. That's always hard when they're lame. I know. And he was doing so well. We did his first ride. And then the next day after his first ride, he came up lame. I was like, oh, no. And his first ride was super chill. Like, it, he didn't injure himself in that. Mm-hmm. So, we wonder if he might have, you know, like, kicked himself in his stall or during his turnout or 
we don't know what's going on so anyway it happens but yeah uh, he'll be back and he'll so pick I'm, right back up I'm curious if you were still training like you were before where it was ride the buck out or just mm-hmm. ride them till they're tired do you think you'd still be training nope nope I am just not I, I'm a cautious person by nature. Let's just say that. <laughs> I am not your adrenaline junkie skydiving. Um, I, I That's just not me. Um, and I think the reason I started out cult starting is I just, I did get to deal with several good cults where it was like they would trot and lope off and they might have a couple of little humpy spots but nothing bad and you just ride them through it and they're great and there was nothing too bad and then once I started training for myself versus kind of interning and training underneath other trainers um I just got a different caliber of horses (laughs) that just really changed things for me and and made me think about like is this really what I want to do and (laughs) and um because yeah I mean I got hurt a lot and and, um, and it did make me become a lot more thorough, you know, it made me say, okay, well this happened. So how do I prevent this from happening again? So it taught me a ton. Um, but yeah, if, if I just kept doing what I had been doing then, instead of like learning from it and becoming more thorough, I think I would probably have broken bones and probably screws and pins and, and everything. And I mean, you run that risk anyway, with cults that no matter how thorough you are, there is still a chance that they might react poorly to something because they're babies and they're cults and they, they don't know a lot, but um, I definitely have learned how to reduce that risk. So being able to find the, my own fear control, as well as helping horses control their fears and reactions. um, That's again, I'm a control freak, like we've said in other episodes. So being able to know that my horses are under control, that I'm under control, that we have all the skills we need to handle all sorts of situations like yeah I, I'm good to still keep keep going so yeah because man I don't know even, <laughs> even training with you with your style it was good for me to kind of go and and do that same process of like well do I really want to break colts forever or do I really want to do that do this forever um and even and I was lucky because I came in at that time in your life where it was pretty chill <laughs> like like very rarely did we have an accident with horses and it was really nice um but you just you do you get in those situations and, and it doesn't matter how much prep you do horses are horses right like there there's going to be times where where you're going to have some hiccups or some different things going on and you do have to question and see yeah your videos yeah. man <laughs> <laughs> of me being thrown over a fence and <laughs> yeah. yeah and Larry being flung upside down into a fence uh, oh. yeah I still can't believe we caught that one on video that was one of the worst ones um Larry had a football size hematoma on his kidneys Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, that's, that's scary. Yeah. Like his back was, I'm not even kidding when I say football size, we thought his kidney had ruptured or something. He was in so much pain. So we went to the ER and uh, yeah, that was, that was scary. And luckily it was just a hematoma. So a hematoma is just a bruise if for those who don't know that word. So it was just a big pocket of blood, but we, it was right on over his kidneys. So we were just like, oh my gosh, like, do we, does he have to have surgery? Does like, what is happening here? So we've gotten really lucky that, you know, with that one, it was a hematoma and we had an ER bill to pay, but you know, it was substantially lower than it would have been if he needed surgery. And then with me, when I got kicked in the head and had to go get all those head CTs and x-rays, I had no broken bones, no head, like no lasting permanent damage nothing in my head from being kicked so we've gotten lucky that the the few times that it has gotten bad it hasn't been that bad <laughs> in in comparison so knock on wood mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah it's it's crazy thinking about some of those experiences that we had so I haven't had horses like that in a while I will say that I haven't had any that have been anywhere near some of those ones that have acted the way that those ones acted so yeah yeah 
Yeah, I'm I'm done with those kinds of horses. I just it's not I I used to advertise that I was a problem horse trainer. Like that was one of the skills that I had on my list of like I would train ponies and colts and problem horses and now problem horses are just not on the list anymore and even colt starting I'm starting to phase that out a little bit more and do more long-term training Um, and I still will do colt starts as long as I have longer with them Um, and that way I can work with the owners so shifting things a little bit (laughs) yeah yeah it's fun to see the shifts too um well from from any standpoint just when you learn and you, and you shift directions because shifting's hard. And I know you and I talked a lot about it when you were thinking about shifting and it was just like, Oh, I don't know, you know, am I a failure? And am I, am I this? And it's like, well, well, no, like shifting and changes does not mean you failed. It just means you learned and you're ready for something else. And it's, it can be a really empowering thing. So I'm, I'm excited for this shift for you. Me too. It's going to be fun. Yes, it is. It is. So let's talk a little bit about your business, Michaela, since that's a little bit what the topic is. Yes. (laughs) Well, do you want to share anything from your week or you want to dive right in? Gosh, well, here's the thing. If I share anything from my week, we might have to do two episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe we'll share tidbits as we go along. Well, just so people know, I did my first 50 mile endurance ride this weekend. And I was muted, but I was just screaming in the background going, woo! <laughs> yeah, Camry knows. I've been trying to, like, I, this has been a goal of mine for seven years, Camry. I did the math. I'm like, seven years I've been working up to wanting to do this and to actually, mad, and I did it. And it was amazing. And like I said, I can, we can do a whole episode on it because <laughs> I so, can just geek out. I have one singular question for you on this. Did you have to pee in front of everybody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's give some context to that now. <laughs> so I've been um, really lucky to work with a gal who's kind of mentoring me through it. And one of the things that she told me, she's like, you're going to have to get used to peeing in front of guys and just peeing in a group because when you got to go, you got to go. And very rarely are you in a place where you can have privacy. And I'm just like, cause I am a very like private person. <laughs> like, like I would just, yeah. So I was stressing about that a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, what is that really going to look like? Honestly, it was no big deal because I had visions of us actually kind of riding in a group for a long period of time. And that was not the case at all. There, there was like a good mile between us and any of the other riders near us. So, and, and honestly, like I only had to pee on the trail once (laughs) where I just got off, hid behind my horse for a second. Um, But then other than that, because what we did was three loops. So we had a 25 mile loop and then a 15 mile loop and then a 10 mile loop to get the 50 in. Um, I would have had to do it more if we had another 25 mile loop, but with the 15 and 10, it's crazy how quickly those go by (laughs) after you've done a 25. It was like, those were like just nothing. Um, And then they had, they had facilities at the actual camp where we stopped and did our bed checks and stuff. So, so no Camry, I didn't have to, which was good because I really was, I was like, this might be the one thing (laughs) that means I can't do this sport. (laughs) I can't drop my pants in front of a bunch of people. (laughs) I know. Yeah. But honestly, it was so good. It was so good. I am definitely, I'm definitely hooked. Like I am, I am so stinking excited. Like, this is definitely the sport for me. So I'm really excited. So we're going to be doing for sure the 100. I have committed. I'm doing the 100 in four weeks. Yeah. So I'm super excited. But yes, seriously, we might have to do a whole other episode on on that ride itself because I like I'm coming off of my giddiness from it too but there's a lot that I learned I learned so much just from that one ride and I know I'm just going to continue learning but just this one this one ride I'm like oh I've got like a list of 20 or 30 things that that I've learned from that and um just 
things that I had to throw out the window from what we have talked about before, like horsemanship skills and things. There's a lot of things that I was like, oh, well, it does not apply when you are riding that long <laughs> and different things. So I don't know how much we want to get into that. Because again, we could do two episodes today if I get yeah. into too much well, of it. I was going to say, let's use it as like a little teaser for our, our future episode. Because yeah, I would love to hear a lot more about endurance. Because I that's one aspect of horsemanship that I know pretty much nothing about. I mean, mm-hmm. very, very limited knowledge about that side of horsemanship. Because, um, you know, I, I know a little bit about the reining, a little bit about the reined cow horse things like that. Like ranch riding is the one I know the most about, but definitely don't know anything about <laughs> endurance. So it'd be fun to kind of pick your brain on that and, and see kind of what the first experience was like and what, what you learned with it. And yeah, yeah. so we'll definitely do, we'll do an episode guys <laughs> on it. Cause seriously, seriously, especially if we catch me in the next little bit, cause I am so full of it right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But anyways, what we wanted to talk about today um, that I get a lot um, from just doing the business that I do, and I just wanted to kind of help people who maybe can't afford a coach or are trying to figure out how to do things on their own um, and give you guys some some quick tips to, to help you have a successful fat loss phase. Um, so I'm going to go over just five of the most important things I feel like everyone needs to be successful in fat loss. Now I say fat loss for a reason. Fat loss and weight loss are very different things. And I want, that's like, you know, that's going to be like the precursor to these five things is get that in your head first. Um, if you want to lose fat, it doesn't always mean you'll lose a lot of weight. And if you want to lose weight, doesn't always mean you'll lose fat. Um, So that's the first thing. So that's why I always say fat loss, because that's what I'm shooting for with my clients is I want them to lose fat. I don't really care about their weight too much. If they're losing fat, they're getting healthier. They're, they're going to be able to perform better. They're going to be able to feel better. They're going to look hundred percent different, but that doesn't always mean that their weight changes. I've had some clients who have completely done a 180 transformation with their bodies and they've lost two pounds in scale weight. But if you look at them side by side, do do pictures of them, it looks like they've lost, you know, 20 pounds in scale weight, which they, they kind of have, but they were able to develop a lot of muscle at the same time, which is why the scale weight didn't go down at the same time. So that is my precursor there. Do you have anything to add to that Camry? Cause I know you've been through the whole process with me. (laughs) No, I think you got it covered that, like you said, it is, it is fat loss. Um, because the other times in the past when I've lost weight, I have, my body has eaten its own muscle. And so Mm -hmm. I did get, and I lost fat too. So I got down to a very, very low weight for my height. And, uh, but yeah, it's looking back on it. My muscle was, was very small. So yeah, make, make sure that you're, um, as we're talking about this, that you keep in mind, we are talking fat loss. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Which for anyone who is shooting for lasting results and health, that is what you want weight loss is really not, shouldn't be the goal. It should be fat loss. So the first thing that I have on my list and Cammy, I want you to just kind of jump in as well. I just figured we can kind of talk about each little thing as much as we need to. Um, but the first thing is having a realistic goal and time frame. That's going to be number one. A lot of people jump in and go, Oh, I want to lose 10 pounds in 10 days or, or 20 pounds in 30 days. And that's actually not very realistic, especially if you're shooting for health, sustainability, and actual fat loss. Um, when I have clients or I'm working with clients or doing things myself, I'm always shooting for anywhere from like half a pound to maybe two pounds a week. Now, the two pounds a week is only for those individuals who are fairly obese and have like way more than than 20 pounds to lose, have like upwards of like 40 to 50 pounds to lose. Those are the only individuals that I'll shoot for that. So a good rule of thumb is to think about shooting for like 1% of your body weight loss a week. So that would mean if you're 200 pounds, you want to shoot for, um, two pounds a week. And that, that will make sure that your body is doing it at a sustainable rate and at a rate in which you will not lose muscle at the same time. 
if if you do the rest of what I'm going to say here pretty soon too. Um, but yeah, so please guys, if you see anybody saying like, oh my gosh, I lost 10 pounds in 10 days. Here's how I did it. You try it too. Realize that is not realistic and it's not going to be sustainable. So you might, you could see the scale drop 10 pounds, but most of the time that's going to be from water weight. You're going to be very depleted. And I guarantee you're going to gain 20 pounds the next week <laughs> because the moment you're done with that, it's, it's, uh, it's going to go the other direction. Anything to add to that, Camry? No, I think you got it covered. Um, cause it really, especially with those fat loss ones that are really fast, right? Like you said, like those 10 day things, um, you do lose the weight. And so people see it and they're like, oh yeah, I lost all this. <laughs> uh, but the problem with that is, is your body gets in this state where it is like, yes, it is in ketosis, right? It's eating fat and it's, and it's, I mean, that's what ketosis is, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it like your body yeah, is eating fat, using fat for, for energy? So it's using fats for its primary fuel. Um, but yeah. with ketosis, like people don't quite understand how much work it takes to actually get into that state. And yeah. you have to really test your body. So even like if you're doing like a 10 day ketosis thing, most of the time you're just, you're losing water weight. Um, mm -hmm. And most of the time too, you're, if you're doing a 10 day, like quick thing, you're going to be on really, really low calories. Yeah. And that's what I was going to well. say is when you are that low and your body feels like it is in a famine because you are so low, then as soon as you come out of that famine, your body's going to be like, pack on the storage, like, because if the, your body's going to prepare for if it has another famine, you know, it's going to say, we need this, like, store this, store it, store it, right? I mean, is that, that's um, always kind of what ish, I've been told. Ish, I don't love that analogy, because it, it would take a while for your body to actually get into that state of, okay. of packing more on. Most of the time, it's going to be the mindset behind that, of like, you just starved yourself for 10 days, and you're going to just mm. naturally want to eat a bunch more. Um, okay. especially if you're not actually tracking your stuff. So it takes a while for your body to actually get into a state where you're, where you're lean enough, um, and you've been in it long enough for it to actually add fat cells. So your body only has a set number of fat cells yeah. um, and the fat cells either shrink or they get bigger. But if you get to a, like a really lean state and then all of a sudden jump, jump up to a position or sorry, up like in calories, all of a sudden, there is a time where your body could add some fat cells and, but only in that period, but it takes a lot to get there. Um, mm. <clears throat> so really what you're doing is either shrinking or growing fat cells. And most gotcha. of the time in something that short, where like you're doing a 10 day or a 14 day or whatever, you really are just depleting your your body of glycogen, which is like what your body stores carbs as and water. Um, so when you come off of that and you're eating, you're eating either back to normal, even if you do track and you're eating back to normal, your glycogen stores are going to go way up. All of a sudden you're eating more carbs. So you're going to retain more water. And then you're going to see that spike in, in the scale. And then most of the time what happens, you see that spike in the scale and you go, oh, well, screw this right? Like, <laughs> not going to do that anymore. And then you just go back to doing what you were doing before, which then leads to a little bit more weight gain because you, if you were gaining weight beforehand, does that make sense? Yep. Well, and that's, that's good to kind of challenge that. Like what I had been told, you know, um, cause sometimes you just never know. And then sometimes the research changes too, of what, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, oh, it no, used to be that cutting carbs was, well, I feel like that still is a thing. Cutting carbs is a thing. But, oh, cutting yeah, carbs is a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> there's always going to be new information and um, new research and stuff. So I think getting it from a good source is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. And I am, if I ever learn anything new, guys, I will let you know. <laughs> I am not, <laughs> I do not even pretend to, to pretend to know everything. Um there's, you know, only so much that I can know and I just do the best with the research and things that I have. Um, but if I ever learn anything new that goes against whatever I'm saying right now, I will definitely let you know. <laughs> but for right now, this, to the best of my knowledge, this is what has been backed by research and science, um, and what works very, very well. Yeah. Well, so, and what the, the, what you see in your own clients. 
yeah. of what works and what doesn't, you know, I mean, that, that speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, so you, you have the research, you have the, the book knowledge, and then you put it into play with your clients and lo and behold, <laughs> it works. <laughs> it's crazy. So, <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Um, so yeah, with that and like with the famine thing, that was something I believed for a very, very long time as well. And just the more that I've learned, the more I'm like, well, in a way it's kind of true, but it just, it takes a lot more than you think to get into that state. And I do find that most of it is just, is just where you're at mentally and whether or not you're doing something long enough to actually build habits. Um, so we, um, I know we talk a little bit about that in other episodes. So I won't dive into it too much, but just making sure that whatever it is you're diving into, be committed to it. Don't think that that's going to be the end because if you stop doing what works, it's going to stop working. So you've got to be able to, to sustain that. So the second thing is social support. Having a good social support system is, I would say, the second most important thing. You need a system of people who are going to support you and cheer you on and question you and make sure like, hey, if you're having a bad day, they're going to be like, yeah, but what's your goals? Come on, you got this, right? And push you forward. Um, So some, some things to look for in a social support system is just, just kind of what I said, someone who's not going to just be like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. But someone who's going to be like, okay, yes, but come on, Camry, like, let, let's move forward here. <laughs> you know, I, I understand it's a bad day, but come on, you've got, you've got more goals than that. And I expect more from you than that. You need someone who's going to push you in that direction. If you don't have someone like that, look for someone like that. There, um, you can, you know, hire a coach. You can hire me. I'm happy to be that person for you. I'm happy to provide you a group to be that person. Um, there are other groups that you can join online. Just really look at them and, and do your due diligence. Make sure that, that you are comfortable with what they are teaching and, and different things and find that, find that person. Um, do not, (laughs) however, do not have your social support person be someone who's going to constantly question everything that you do in a state of, well, have you failed yet? Well, are you really doing that good? Because that's someone who's going to just tear you down and make you question everything and actually make you make you quit. So you you need to think about somebody who um, is in the trenches with you is how I I like to say it. Someone who's also working on themselves. If they're not working on themselves, chances are they're going to subconsciously bring you down to their level (laughs) because that's just human nature. We want people to be at our level because that's comfortable for us. It makes us more relatable to each other. Um, If you think about somebody like someone who's ahead of you just a little bit, they will never say anything about like where you're at, you know, other than they're going to try to pull you up to their level. That's, that's our human nature. They, they want you to be at their same level because that makes you more relatable. But if someone is below your level, they're going to start pulling you down. They want you to go back down to their level. And it's not necessarily them being consciously mean, but some, some things that people say can just bring you right back down. You know, and I don't think most people, there are some people who do, but I don't think most people are, are consciously going, oh, like, well, I've got to bring Camry back down to my level, you know, <laughs> like, see, she's just going too far. I need to bring her over back here. And, you know, there are some people who probably do do that, but there, there have been times in my life I've, I've thought back and been like, oh my gosh, I totally did that with somebody where they were excelling above where I could get and that made me uncomfortable. So I did say comments or I did say stuff that I shouldn't have, right? It's just human nature. So really just notice that and and the people you surround yourself with too. Where are they? And are they going to pull you in a direction you want to go? Yeah, I feel like there's a big difference between encouragement and put downs. Right. So it's the, the encourager, the cheerleader, the person that's like, oh yeah, you're having a tough day. Like I empathize with that, but you are strong. You got this, you know, like you remind yourself of this, you know, and, and let's go over your whys. Let's go over all this stuff. And so that type of encouragement, 
um, I feel like that's the the big word there with someone that's, like you said, in the trenches with you is they're not going to be like, oh yeah, you failed yet? <laughs> you failed your last 10 diets, so you're going to fail this one too. And, you know, all the things were, that's, it's not helpful to be reminded of previous failures or um, anything like that. You need someone that's going to encourage you to be your best self. So yeah. And also have the bird's eye view for you where they can be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. This was a crappy day, but girl, look at where you're at. Like, where would you be six months ago? Y- yeah. You know, you wouldn't even have this problem six months ago. It's so amazing how much you've grown. Right. Cause yeah. you often forget that you've grown. <laughs> you know, And I, <laughs> when I say you, I'm, I'm talking general people, but it is very easy to forget where you've come. Um, I had a situation this week where my coach was doing the same thing. He's like, Oh my gosh two years ago, like you weren't even close to being anywhere where you're at today. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're right. And it helped give me a different perspective. Cause I've, I've been a little bit stressed out and a little bit worn out the last couple of weeks. And to just be reminded of that and to be able to reflect back on where have I come and man, I have, I have made a lot of progress in multiple different areas in the last two years. And it was really helpful to have somebody point that out to me, especially when I was just like, kind of done with things <laughs> this last couple of weeks. And, and it's something I'm constantly doing with my own clients as well is like, well, look like you three months ago, or you a year ago, or you two years ago would not have even begun to do this. And it's so amazing. And just remind yourself of that. Yeah. So for sure. You have anything else to add to the social support? No, I think we got it covered. Okay. The next one that kind of goes hand in hand with this one is accountability. Now, the reason it's not the same thing is, again, it kind of depends on what your social support system looks like, whether or not they are appropriate to provide you accountability. Um, So accountability can look like different things, but it needs to be something that, hey, it's going to make you take ownership of your crap. That's what accountability is, is you taking ownership of what you have done in every situation. Um. I had a conversation with a client a couple of days ago where she was feeling, feeling, um, she was feeling bad about some things that her social support system were doing. They weren't being supportive. (laughs) Um, and she's like, I don't, I don't want to be blaming them, but this is making it very hard. Right. And instead And instead I challenged her in that area where I'm like, well, instead of saying like, oh, I'm blaming them for my problem, you need to take ownership of this problem. What can you do in this situation where you can own the fact that this is going on, that this is occurring? And it just came down to, well, she needed to stand up for herself and say, hey, you're not allowed to talk to me like that. And she wasn't doing that. She wasn't taking ownership enough to stand up and say, no, that's enough right? Every situation, there's a way that you can take ownership. Like, yeah, it sucks when people are mean, or it sucks when they're not saying what we want them to say, or, or saying really hurtful things, but you can stand up for yourself and you can take yourself out of the situation if, if they don't listen as well. Um, so accountability is being able to have that outlook going, am I taking ownership of this situation? Am I taking ownership of my actions or am I choosing to blame somebody for my lack of ownership and for my lack of action. Um, so there's a, there's a few ways you can do accountability. Um, one good way, hire a coach who will help point those things out to you. But coming from the line of if coaching is just not going to happen for you right now, there is one way that I really have found to be very helpful for some people. Um, to just give them an extra boost of accountability and that's setting up a contract system. So what that looks like is you, you have your social support person, right? That you have picked your accountability partner and you write out a contract that says, Hey, I am committed to doing these specific things. And it has to be very, very specific. So it's not, I am committed to losing five pounds. No, that's the goal. That is not the action steps, right? So if you want to lose five pounds, you create those action steps. What needs to happen? Do you need to get 10,000 steps a day? Do you need to get three workouts in a week? Do you need to um, hit, you know, 150 grams of protein? What does that look like? And then pick one of those steps to start with. 
So for instance, one really good step was just getting more movement in. So let's, let's hit a step goal, right? So we'll take that. So you write a contract out and you say, Hey, um, I name, I am very, like, I am committed to getting 10,000 steps a day, if that is your goal. Um, and then from there, you can say, if I do not get this, there's a consequence. Um, and two, there can be a reward system. So I've done this in a couple of different ways. Now, most of the people I work with work much better off of reward systems, but there are a couple who work better off of consequence systems. So a reward system can look like, hey, if I hit my 10,000 steps a day for 30 days straight or for two weeks straight, always start small, guys. Start small because that's going to be more attainable. So pick something that you know you can actually attain so you don't feel like a failure. If you're going from 5,000 steps to 10,000 steps, have a shorter period of time. So if you're going from 5,000 steps to 10,000 steps, I would say like shoot for it for like seven days, you know, or no more than two weeks though, um, where you're hitting that and then you can redo it as well. You can, you can recycle this contract for, for the same period until you know, Hey, I can hit 10,000 steps. No problem. Right. Where it just becomes who you are. So a reward system can look like you, like Camry, if you're my accountability partner, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars. Okay. And you're just going to keep it for me. Now, uh, if I accomplish my goal, you can either give me the hundred dollars back so I can spend it on something I want, or you spend it on something that I really want and send it to me. Right. So you can have something set up. So one, I did this with one client and her biggest thing, she wanted a new pair of shoes. So she didn't give money or anything anywhere but she had her accountability partner and they knew that she was going to order the shoes. So her, if she did it, she sent them the, re the order receipt when she ordered the shoe. So she actually did the thing. Cause sometimes it can be hard to reward yourself, but that was something that worked very well for her. Now, on the other hand, if you're somebody who works better off of consequences, something can look like, well, if I don't get my 10,000 steps a day, then I have to mow the lawn for the next month. Or if I don't get my 10,000 steps a day, well, then I have to take ice, an ice cold shower or I have to go jump in this lake or something that's going to, to be kind of a bigger thing, something that you're not really going to want to do that's going to push you forward. <laughs> there was one guy in a mastermind I was in. So this is, this is a disgusting one, but he, his, his accountability was to drink his own pee. If he didn't do the thing, he had to drink his own pee. But by golly, he was not going to do that, right? So it was a, <laughs> this is so gross. Oh, I know. Oh I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so if that gives you an idea of how adverse the thing needs to be to you, it needs to be adverse enough that it's like drinking your own pee. Otherwise, it's not really going to work because you don't want to pick something that is like, oh, I don't really care if I have to mow the lawn. It's fine. I'll just mow the lawn. I don't want to go for a walk tonight, so I'll just mow the lawn. It's not a big deal. Then that thing's not adverse enough. It needs to be something that's adverse enough, and your accountability partner has got to make you do it. Be like, no, dude. You signed the contract. You didn't do the thing. This is the deal. You got to well, do then it. There's also natural consequences, right? Of you're not going to see your goal. Your you reach your goals. If your goal is to lose five pounds or lose 20 pounds, you're, if you don't do the thing and keep yourself accountable, the natural consequence is you're not going to lose the weight. <laughs> so there is definitely that consequence too. But yeah, definitely having something, like you said, that's a big motivator of like, oh, I'm going to have to do something I really don't like. <laughs> but I mean, I am more of a temperament that I work a lot better off rewards. That's mm -hmm. more my temperament. So yeah, most people do. I I don't even know if I have worked with somebody who would prefer the punishment other than like a couple of people in that mastermind group. Or <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I would I definitely like gosh, buy a new saddle. That would that would be a motivation enough for me to be like I'm going to do the thing cuz I want this saddle, right? Um but yeah, it needs to be adverse enough cuz even the natural consequences of not getting your goal, it's like, well, why are you here? You, you know, 
it's because you haven't met that goal. It's because you haven't done the things that you need to get to that goal. So having just that natural consequence isn't often enough. And that's, that's why we get into, into this. So that's a way that works out really well. Um, but it does take some work as far as you, if you don't have a coach, like for the clients I've done it with, I write the contract out for them. I send it to them and their accountability partner. They both have to have signatures on it. So I'm their mediator. Now in this situation, your coach should not be the person who holds you accountable to that. Okay. It should be somebody else. It should be your support system, not your coach. It doesn't work very well when your coach is, is the one who punishes or rewards you. Your coach should be the one who guides you. Um, so that that's also another thing for those ones. Any thoughts or questions or anything on that one, Camry? No, I think that's good. That's I still can't believe that. There's no way I would ever drink my own <laughs> But right, but if you look at it that way, Camry, if that was the thing, are you gonna do the thing so you don't have yeah. to drink your own pee? Right. Well, yeah. and here was one thing I just kind of related this with this. <clears throat> um, you have the option in your program to have your face blocked out when your mm -hmm. pictures are shared on social media, right? Yep. And I almost clicked that and then I was like, no. I am committing to this. Like I will show my face because I am going to hit my goals. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I am okay with showing my face because I'm going <laughs> to slay this process. <laughs> so that was something for me personally that was a little bit like of that reward, right? Of like, I get to claim that I did that and that that's me, you know? So mm -hmm. that was kind of- I love that. <laughs> I love how you use that as your own little accountability system. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I didn't think of it like that necessarily at the time, but now I'm like, oh yeah, it definitely was. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So the fourth thing, which after you have all of those things set up, the fourth thing is going to be the thing that's actually going to make it happen, right? And that's being in a calorie deficit. You cannot lose fat if you are not in a calorie deficit, period, the end. That's pretty much it. <laughs> that one is plain and simple. <laughs> no, very plain and simple. But so being in a calorie deficit, um, I shoot for my, um, my clients, um, I, I do a percentage. So I'll take like where I have found their maintenance calories to be or where they're naturally eating right now. And I'll take off anywhere from like 10 to 20% of their calories off of that. So if you're eating 2000 calories a day, 10% of that will, will take 200 off of it. So then your, your upper limit or mid limit is 1800 calories. Um, you can do, I, the only time I will do as much as 20% is if I have somebody who's either eating a lot or again, who has a lot to lose. So somebody who has more than 20 pounds to lose, like I'm looking at like 40, 50, 60 pounds to lose, then I'll, I'll lean on the side of maybe doing a 20% deficit. But most of the time I do 10, because if you think going from 2000 calories to 1800 calories is a stretch, right? But if I were to take 20% of that, what is that camera? I think that's 1600. So to go from 2000 calories to 1600 calories is a big drop for a lot of people. That's pretty low. So I normally start off about 10%. Um, and that's where I would suggest you do. And that should get you in a range where you're losing anywhere from half a pound to a pound a week. If you, if you do that. Yeah. Any other questions or anything that I'm like missing there that maybe I should expound on Camry? Well, so I guess the one thing for me is, so say you're using an app like Lose It or MyFitnessPal or one of those weight loss apps, right, that tracks your macros. And depending on if you get the paid version or not, it tracks um, your micronutrients too and all those things. But it also tracks your calories. So if you were to put in to lose, say, one pound a week, it's going to take your ratio that you put in there of or the default ratio that it uses for your macros and take you down even across the board. So, um, and I guess this probably goes into your next point, but would you recommend going down even across protein, carbs, and fats? Or, or, or is it just calories are calories? Because a lot of people will say that, like as long as you're down in calories, you know, calorie deficit is calorie mm -hmm. deficit, so you'll lose weight. Right. Um, so I guess give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And it does go right in line with my next point, which is having enough protein. Um, so for me personally and how I coach my clients, no, I would not go even across all of the macros. Um, 
but the reason that the macro portion or like the protein portion is at the bottom is because calorie deficit is more important than where your macro levels are. So when we say macros, guys, we're talking about fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. So those are your macronutrients, which mean they make up all of your food. So any food that you eat is made up of one of those three things. That's why they're called macros. Um, so calorie deficit is the most important thing if you want to lose fat. Um, making sure that you're there first and foremost is important. Now, the reason I don't like to go down even across all the board is because my clients and where I want my clients to be is I want them to maintain their muscle and if we can even grow some muscle in the process as well, because by doing that, we're boosting their metabolism rate up. So when they do lose the fat, their metabolism is at a higher place than it would be if we didn't maintain that muscle mass or we didn't grow some muscle as well. Um, so they wouldn't be able to eat as much across the board. Also with, um, with protein, it's very satiating. So you do not feel as hungry if you keep those levels higher, which is really important when you're down in those lower ends of like 1400 calories, 1600 calories, even if you have to get down to like the 1200 range, it is important to feel full when, or as full as you can, because you're not going to feel full. You're going to be hungry, but trying to manage that as much as you can with making sure your protein is up is, is important. Um, but then when we look at proteins and fats as well, those are both really important nutrients when we're looking at hormone health and brain function as well. Um, so taking those to too low of a portion can cause you to crash in, in a lot of different ways as well. So I have clients that are all over the board. Um, so I have some clients where, Hey, we don't even track for a while where we just focus on let's, what does a balanced style diet look like? Let's practice portions. Like let's practice just eyeballing things. What does that look like? And, and, um, more of the lifestyle stuff. And then when they're ready for fat loss, that's when tracking becomes important. Because if you do not track and you, you don't make sure you're in a calorie deficit, fat loss could happen, but it's going to take forever. And most of the time, you're only going to lose so much and then you're going to stall. And it's going to be really frustrating because you're not going to know why it stalled because you have no data and nothing to look at. So in a fat loss phase, that is my non-negotiable. When clients do come to me and they want fat loss, they do have to track. But it doesn't always have to be the starting point either. Some, like I said, I've got some clients who they come and we work for a couple of weeks to a month or longer on just, hey, let's practice lifestyle stuff because that's going to be more important for them right now. Um, but then I have some clients too who are on different spectrums of what I will provide. So um, some, some clients, it'll be like, oh, let's just focus on calories and protein. I always have clients focus on protein because that's going to give them the most bang for their buck, um, but also help them be healthy <laughs> throughout the whole process as well. So oftentimes we'll just even practice protein for a while and not even shoot for a calorie deficit first, because oftentimes by just raising up their protein and keeping their maintenance calories the same, they're going to see changes just by doing that as well. So they're still going to be seeing things before we even jump into the calorie deficit. And the reason for that is protein doesn't, like your body doesn't really like to store protein as fat. So when you are upping the amount of calories you're getting from protein and decreasing the amount of calories you're getting from carbs and fats because you've upped your protein, your body is going to just kind of naturally shift itself. So we had to pause for a second, had a little bit of a Thing going on in the background. Um, so I apologize if there's kind of a jump from what we're talking. I, I believe I was talking about how protein is stored in the body. Um, and we talked about how it's satiating and, and everything, but another really important reason why I focus on protein is because it is composed of a lot of different amino acids and those amino acids go in and they build muscle. They maintain muscle. They they help with cellular cellular signaling and and hormones and everything. So really, if you're low in protein, you're just not going to function very well anyways. And I have yet to have a client come to me eating enough protein. All of the clients that I've ever had coming in eat the bare minimum for just being alive <laughs> of, of protein. Um, so optimal amount of protein is where I always try to jump them up to. 
Now there's, there's kind of a range there. I always try to shoot for like 0.7 to about 1.2 grams per pound of body weight. Um, but again, that, that is also different. If you are somebody who has a lot to lose, that is not going to be optimal for you. So, um, I will also switch and we can also just even balance things out. But as long as you're eating at least that 0.7 grams per pound of body weight, you're going to do a pretty good job of maintaining things. Now, it's not going to be optimal for growth. If you really want to see some specific growth in your muscle, eating closer to the 1.2 grams per pound of body weight is a good idea. But just to make it really easy <laughs> to go off of is just go into the middle and choose one. So let's say I, and I would just go off of what your goal weight is. Let's say if you have 20 pounds to lose and you're, um, 180 pounds, then eat 160 grams of protein a day. That's going to put you in a good place because most of the time your goal weight is going to be pretty, pretty close to what your lean body mass is. And that's more of what's important that we eat in poundage. So if your lean body mass is like 10% of your body, then, <laughs> then you've got, you've got some, some work to do there, but, um, your lean body mass should actually be pretty high. Most of the time it's going to be like 80%, 90%. Um, if you're, if you're leaner and then maybe like 70 or 50%, if you're not quite as lean, um, but definitely shooting for at least one gram per pound of, of your goal weight is a good place to start there. Cause if you are somebody who has 50 pounds to lose, so let's say like you're, you're 200, 250 pounds and you want to lose 50 pounds eating 250 grams of protein. It's a lot of protein. It's a lot of protein and it's going to be really hard. <laughs> I don't think I could stomach that much protein. Michaela. Oh, I don't think most people could. It's a lot of protein. Um, so definitely just going for your lean body mass, unless you are a big guy who is building muscle, then yeah, you're going to have to eat more. <laughs> um, yeah. but it goes, well, off I mean, like, like your husband, you know, he's mm -hmm. six, four. Yeah. Right. And yeah, yeah. big guy. So yeah, that definitely makes sense <laughs> to yeah. eat, eat, eat for your body size. Cause him at six, four needs a lot more protein than me at five, <clears> three. So <laughs> no, exactly. Um, another, well, I'm going to throw in a bonus bonus here and then, then we'll be done. But bonus is also making sure that your fiber is in a good place as well. Um, that is another thing that most clients will come in under eating fiber. So their digestion's poor. Their everything just is uncomfortable. And when you up your protein, oftentimes like digestion can slow down a little bit. So if you're not eating enough fiber on top of that, you can feel kind of not fun. So the range for fiber that you're really going to want to shoot for is about 14 grams per thousand calories. So if you're eating 2000 calories, you want to shoot for at least 28 grams of grams of fiber a day. And there's a range there. Um, but I wouldn't go above 40 grams of fiber for most people, because even, even up to 40 grams, you're probably going to start feeling pretty gross. Um, but if you're eating a thousand calories, which please don't be eating a thousand calories, eat more than a thousand calories, but it'd be 14 grams of fiber. Um, so for instance, if like 1500, you would just take 1.5 times 14 and that will give you the amount of fiber that you need to have. Um, yeah. So fiber one important for digestion will also help you feel full. So if you're in a calorie deficit, making sure you have those high fiber foods, it's going to make you feel really good <laughs> as far as from a hunger standpoint. Um, and yeah. then go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say if <laughs> from personal experience with Michaela, um, and I'm sure you were probably about to dive into this, um, if you are eating that much protein, which like she said, my body was not used to in the beginning, and then your fiber's low, you're going to have digestion issues. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to be very aware of getting enough fiber while also getting enough protein. Um, cause in the beginning I was mostly just focusing on protein, but then it was like, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I was like, I was like, Oh, <laughs> that's because I need fiber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and two, it kind of depends on where you want your results to be as well. Like for Camry, we were looking for like, how can we possibly get you the quickest results? You know, the most bang for your time. Um, but some people also come in and they're just not ready. Like they're just not in the place, like, let's say you are. So I'll have some clients where it's like, Hey, we're just going to shoot for that lower end of protein. We're going to shoot for just practicing balance. And sometimes they can't even get as much as the lower end. And so we'll start a lot slower. Um, so it depends on where you're at 
how how much experience you have in tracking your food as well will make a big difference. If you have zero experience tracking your food, I don't start people off like this. Um, I will start them off with more like, hey, let's just let's practice more intuitive eating and mindful eating and and educate before we even begin to jump into this. So again, the path looks very different depending on how you're coming into me, right? But if you're coming into me and you're gung-ho and you want to get started, you will get handed this, you know? And sometimes people will get handed handed a protocol like this and we will have to back off um, just because it can be a little bit overwhelming too. Like if you're, if you're coming in and eating 80 grams of protein and you need to eat 160, that's a big jump. So oftentimes we'll say, okay, well, instead of hitting the 160, let's hit, let's hit a hundred. Let's hit hundred for, for two weeks and then, okay, let's try 110, then 120. And we, you can just slowly gradually build up to that as well, which will help digestion wise too. Um, but honestly, as long as you're eating enough fiber with everything you, if, and you are not malnourished too, there's, there's some disclaimers here. As long as you don't have any underlying health causes, um, like no kidney disease, no, no big heart issues, you should be okay. But disclaimer, always, always, always talk to your doctor before you start a new diet, please. You need to make sure that all of your bases are covered before you ever try something new. Awesome. I feel like this is good conversation. I feel like it busts some myths of some of the things that you need to do for fat loss. So <laughs> right? of, of cut carbs and <laughs> you guys don't cut carbs. I love carbs and doing fact... short time frames and all the yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all want quick results, right? But one thing you'll notice is you don't, when you are there, when you have gotten the result that you want, you will not care how long it took you. It doesn't matter if it took you two years. It doesn't matter if it took you two months. You will not care how long it takes you if you, when, once you're there. Um, I used to get stuck in that, that mindset of like, oh, but if it doesn't happen in, in a month, I'm going to be really disappointed. But you know what? It didn't happen in a month for me. It didn't. It, it happened probably in six months when I got to that lean point that I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm awesome. But you know, when I was there, I did not care that it took me six months. Not at all. I was actually kind of glad because I learned a lot about myself and how much I could trust myself for that long of a period, right? You just, you don't care. You yep. just care that you got there. You don't care how long it took you. Yeah. So be patient with yourself and enjoy the, the journey part of it, not just the getting there. Yes. <laughs> Have a great week, guys. Thank you for listening to The Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week.